This is part two and the concluding episode of Help, a ghost is in my burger and a phantom ate my fries. If you haven't listened to part one yet, please consider pausing this message and playing episode three of this podcast entitled Story 2A, Start. There are a lot of important details in that episode that may help you determine if Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency is a good fit for your fiasco. Thank you. Thank you for calling Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. Please leave a message with a detailed account of your odd or unusual occurrence. If you are calling back due to our machine running out of tape, please continue your message from where you were cut off. If you're calling back because you're stuck in a Ran Rascal's repetition routine, please dial extension 321, then 123, then 321 again. Thank you. Now, prepare yourself for the beep waits for no one. Mr. Eerie, we need to talk. Your answering machine ran out of tape right in the middle of my message. I don't need to tell you that this will reflect poorly on my review of your detective agency. Don't worry, I'm nothing if not fair. So, please, help me out and I'll give you all the stars earned by your reply. In case you missed the first part of my message, I'm Lynn R. Pear, a soon-to-be famous food reviewer. My aim in life is to be just like Loris Crabtree. Miss Crabtree is a legendary, brutally honest, and thankfully for me, now-retired food reviewer. I went on a work trip with my dad and mom, and I thought the trip would be filled with epic food review opportunities, but we ended up in the town of Quickstand, which is all but abandoned. That's why my dad was sent there. He's a phase liquidator. That means he helps small towns, like Quickstand— file for bankruptcy. Then he works with any remaining business or residents so they can move on to whatever phase comes next. On the first day, I went out to explore the town. The only thing I found open was a corner market named Candles. There I met the twins Kyle, who has one eye, and Smiles, who has no teeth. Kyle and Smiles had been banned from the market for blowing it up, but they said the store had legendary popsicles, so I bought three. One for Kyle, one for Smiles, and one for me to review. Hopefully I'd be the first and last teenager to review anything in this town. In exchange for the popsicles, Kyle gave me a beat-up coupon card for a free burger at some place called Flip's Other Side Burger Dive. Maybe reviewing it would put me on the famed food reviewer map. Then, I'd be on my way to becoming just like my food reviewing idol, Gloris Crabtree. want to eat the popsicle in front of the market. In my mind, Kyle and Smiles were telling all their friends that there was some new girl in town and she was buying everyone free stuff at the market. So I had to go somewhere else. Somewhere off the main drag. Before walking across the street, I looked at the back of the burger card Kyle and Smiles gave me. There wasn't an address for the restaurant, but it did say, come dine at the corner of Howland and Vine. Luckily, Candles had a town map painted on its exterior, so I was able to find where Howland and Vine intersected. Unfortunately, it was all the way on the other side of town. It was going to be a walk, but I had a popsicle to keep me busy. Past Billy Bear's food from fairs, which was boarded up, I found an empty lot. The lot may have been a park at one time. 
There were lots of small stone slabs in the ground that may have once been the supports for slides and handover handbars. I found some shade and unwrapped my candles popsicle. I believe in full transparency, Mr. Erie. And while I didn't have time to tell Kyle and Smiles this, I didn't technically pay for the popsicles. When I brought them up to the counter, the man working asked what brought me to town. I said my dad was working and that I, Lynn R. Pear, was conducting research. He chuckled and then handed me the popsicles. On the house, he said. Normally, I wouldn't review something I was given for free. Free food comes with expectations of a good review, so it's best to pay for the things you're going to critique. At least that's what Gloris Crabtree said in one of her books. I didn't want to be rude to the candles market man, so I took the popsicles. On the house. Just keep that in mind if you ever read my review. For now, I'll just say this about the one I ate. The popsicle was of the rectangular cube variety. It had a rounded top and two grooved indentions on either side. At the base, where a white and tan stick protruded from it, the popsicle was a deep shade of red. It faded to pink at the top, and there was a big cream-colored C in the middle. It tasted of soon-to-be-ripe strawberries that had been sprinkled with sugar. The C in the center tasted of freshly churned cream. It was smooth, with deep notes of vanilla and hints of honey. It was good, Mr. Erie, but I'll save my star rating for the official review. I'd been walking down Howland Street for at least a dozen blocks, when finally I saw the street sign I'd been looking for. A pole on the corner had two signs, both faded from the sun but still perfectly readable. The top one read, Howland Avenue. And, pointing perpendicularly, the other sign said, Vine Street. I looked in every direction, checking all four corners of the intersection for the burger restaurant. I'm sure I looked like an out-of-towner, but there wasn't a single person around to notice. In my opinion, Mr. Erie, you should smell a burger restaurant at least two blocks before you see it. At Howland and Vine, I didn't see or smell much of anything. Certainly, there were no burgers being served there. I rechecked the back of the promo card. Howland and Vine, it said, and spelled the same way as the street signs. Hmm, I thought. Maybe it's a food truck or small walk-up. I walked toward the only corner that had something on it. It was the far one, the one right up next to the hill at the edge of town. I don't play sports, but this was obviously an old baseball field. There were some broken wood bleachers, some stone footings where the backstop must have been, and a raised mound of dirt in the middle. On the edge of the field was an old scoreboard still showing the result from the last game. Wow, I said. Quick stand must have had a good team. The scoreboard said, home, 213, visitors 3. I walked over to a mound of dirt in the middle of the field and stood on top of it. There was a square stone slab the size of a cereal box there. I can tell you now that base is called the pitcher's plate. But I didn't know at the time, and I didn't really care. I was hungry. From on that mound of dirt, I could see the whole of Howland and Vine clearly, and one thing was for sure. Kyle and Smiles had tricked me. There was no burger joint over here. Probably never was. I have to be honest, Mr. Erie. I felt a little upset. Maybe a tad embarrassed. Kyle and Smiles had given me a worthless card, something they probably got out of the trash. And made me walk all the way over to the edge of town for nothing. I imagined them hiding somewhere— laughing at the tourist who they'd just led on a wild goose chase. But then, something occurred to me. Can't streets intersect in two places? The map on the market did show Howland with a sharp curve. It wasn't a detailed map or to scale, but I knew of several streets in East City that intersected in two places. Maybe Kyle and Smiles hadn't tricked me after all. I ventured on past Vine staying on Howland. Just past the ball field, the road began to curve up a hill. 
As the road narrowed and the trees spread their canopies over the road, I noticed it was getting darker. Evening dark. Not just tree shade dark. The sounds of the area changed, and I thought it must be about dinner time. Howland wrapped around a sharp corner, and that's where my plan to find a different intersection stopped. Because that's where Howland Road ended. In the trees, just a few hundred feet outside of town, Howland, past Vine, dead ends. And at that dead end, Mr. Erie, you'll never believe what I saw. ever was a haunted house, then it was the one at the end of Howland, just outside the town of Quickstand. There, on the top of a small hill, hidden by a thick stand of trees, was a badly aging two-story house with a wrought iron gate wrapping around its exterior. Unlike every other building in Quickstand that left their lights off at night, this house had warm yellow light flickering from the porch and an upstairs window. I think that made me feel more comfortable because I didn't think haunted houses left lights on. It was such an interesting and ornate house, at one time it was probably beautiful. I wanted to investigate, but just as I stepped toward the front gate, I saw a figure in the upstairs window. It was just the silhouette, but it was definitely human. My heart jumped for a moment and I stepped backwards and then behind a tree. I studied the house looking for other signs of life but didn't see any. Then, I heard a noise that sent a prick of fear right through me. There was moaning like a low rumble coming from down the hill, and it was getting louder and getting louder meant it was getting closer. As it approached, the low moaning noise produced a small rattle. I turned my ear towards it. I know that noise, I said. As it grew louder, I was sure I'd heard it before. Was it at the motel? A second later, the noise whined to a stop right in front of the iron gates. It was a vehicle. Oh my goodness to grasshoppers, I thought. I do know that noise. It's my parents. The door opened and my dad emerged from the vehicle. I thought maybe they were looking for me, but my dad was still sporting his working face. I thought about trying to scare them. I thought about yelling out something spooky and then emerging from the trees for a good laugh. Honestly, I thought about getting a ride back to the motel. But how often do you get to watch your parents work without them knowing? And I became immediately curious as to why my dad was at this house. From his overcoat, I watched Jim retrieve a large, dark-colored envelope. It was the size of those manila-colored ones you stick legal stuff in. This one had what looked like gold writing on it, but I couldn't read what it said. My dad put the envelope in a metal mailbox on the side of the gate. It didn't fit, but that didn't seem to bother him. He left the envelope peeking out, rang what I assume was a doorbell, and then they left. I'm sure you know what happens next, Mr. Erie. I'm 13 and a half, and all teenagers behave the same way in this situation. First, I waited to see if the figure I saw in the window would come to the gate, but nothing stirred inside the house. A few minutes later, sure the coast was clear, I crept across the road to the gate and pulled out the envelope my dad had left behind. Yes, I'm aware this is some sort of federal offense, but I wasn't taking or tampering with it. I was just researching it, and researching isn't a crime. was a deep red color, like stained mahogany. The lettering on it was in script and laid down with gold ink. It was the most ornate and beautiful legal-style envelope I'd ever seen. I remember feeling a sense of pride. Pride for my dad, 
who I was just now understanding worked for a company that did something important. Maybe that made me important, too? I didn't know. The feeling didn't last long, Mr. Erie. In fact, it went right out the window and was replaced by a burst of nervous adrenaline. Because the name on the envelope was... Glorious Crabtree. I couldn't believe it. I was standing at the gates of Glorious Crabtree's house. The legend. The woman who I wanted to review food like. The woman whose footsteps I wanted to follow in. And... Didn't I just see her in the window? My brain was racing and my heart was pounding. Just as I began to consider what my next step should be, I heard a noise from the woods. It was a growl. Not my parents. No rattle, just a rustle of leaves and a sort of low growl. Oh no, I thought, it's a bear! Without thinking, I ran for quickstand, straight through the forest down the hill. I jumped over downed logs and around tight groups of trees. A minute later, I could see the clearing where the ball field was. I sped up, blowing past a small sign that said, Welcome to quickstand. I burst out of the forest and darted for the center of the field. My foot caught on one of the stone footings for the backstop and I stumbled forward. Don't fall, I thought, don't fall. But it was too late. I was falling. I fell onto the stone pitcher's plate, hands outstretched. The burger promo card and envelope had fallen in front of me, and I landed right on top of them. A faint buzzing sound came from the items, and for a split second they glowed with an intense white light. Ear and vision problems? I must have hit my head, I thought. I checked my body for other injuries. No blood. No scrapes. I checked the woods. No bear. All of a sudden I wasn't afraid. Because all of a sudden there was something in the air. Something that smelled deep and delicious. I... I know that smell, I thought... It's hamburgers. I took to my feet and turned around toward the back of the field. Right in the middle next to the scoreboard, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was a walk-up hamburger joint, not a food truck or East City cart either. The wood-slatted building was striped in fresh coats of white and red. There was outdoor seating behind a picket fence, and lights strung from each corner out into the field. On top of the burger stand, I noticed a large sign. I mean, how could you miss it? A white sign with shimmering red letters rotated on a raised pole, and, it read, Flip's Other Side Burger Dive. How could I have missed this? I thought. There's no way I could have. Maybe they only set up at night, I thought. Maybe it's mobile, like the whole thing is on wheels or something. I didn't think too hard about it because the smell of Flip's burgers was intoxicating. I had to have one. No, I had to have two. One to eat, like, really eat, and one to review. I dusted off my clothes and approached the burger stand. A young man, who looked to be in his early 20s, was on the other side of a window that said, Order Here, above it. He was wearing one of those paper soda jerk hats. And was clean-shaven, but with almost no expression on his face. He didn't notice me at first, so I tapped the glass. Politely, Mr. Erie, I assure you. Welcome to Flip's Other Side Burger Dive, he said in a monotone voice. Hi, I replied. What'll you have? he asked. I could see an oval-shaped name tag that said Philip on it spelled with an F. Are you Flip? I asked. Flip Bear, burger maker extraordinaire, he said in a voice that was anything but extraordinary. So what'll you have? He said. A burger and some fries, I said. Then I added, cook them how you like them, because I write them like I eat them. I expected a smile, but didn't get one. Yikes, I thought. Flips is off to a rough start. The burger smelled good, and so hope remained high. Can I get a name for the order? 
Flip asked. Lynn R. Pear, I replied. R. Pear? He said. He didn't look up as he wrote it down, but he sort of nodded like he understood something. I didn't know what it was that he understood, but I worried he'd heard of me. Maybe he'd read one of my reviews. It's best if the place you are reviewing doesn't know you are reviewing it. The tiniest smile appeared on Flip's face. It's an honor to serve you, he said. Okay, I thought. This guy definitely knows I'm going to be reviewing his food. In this situation, Mr. Erie, the best thing to do is just get it out in the open. You put your cards on the table and remind the establishment my review will be fair and impartial. Look, I said. I know you know who I am. Yes, he said. I do. Okay. So I'm a soon-to-be-famous food reviewer, and free food or special treatment will have no— Just then, Flip stopped me. He looked up that tiny little smile, now completely gone. Food reviewer, he said. Yes, soon-to-be-famous food reviewer. Before I knew what was happening, Flip had raised his hands, grabbed the corners of the window, and slid it closed. I tapped the glass. This time not so politely. Um, hello, I said. That's very rude. Flip tapped the pane of glass next to the ordering window and then pointed at something. There was a sign taped to it that read, We reserve the right to refuse service to all food reviewers. What? I said. Why? Flip folded his arms and turned his back to me. I was about to tell him that regardless of how good his burgers smelled, he could expect a one-star review. But before I could get any words out, I heard a familiar voice. Two voices, actually, and they were coming from behind me. Do you see it? A familiar voice said. Yeah, do you see it? I turned to find Kyle and Smiles standing in the field. See what? Flips. They replied, Of course, I said, it's right behind me. Although, right about now, I wish it wasn't here. Like earlier today when it was, what, magically somewhere else? Whoa, said Kyle. Yeah, totally whoa, said Smiles. You mean you couldn't see it, but now you can? No, I mean it wasn't here before. Now it is. Kyle smiled and shook his head. No, Flips is always here. Yeah, said Smiles. It's always here. You just couldn't see it. Oh, really? Why is that? Let me guess. I suppose you'll tell me it's enchanted. Enchanted? No, you couldn't see it before because you weren't dead. Dead? Both Kyle and Smiles took a step forward. Tell us, they said. How'd it happen? How'd what happen? You know, how'd you die? These kids were starting to get on my nerves, Mr. Eerie. I'm not dead, I said. Yes, you are. Yeah, totally, you're dead. It appeared the only thing to do in the town of Quickstand was tell tall tales and be rude to food reviewers. Well then, I said, let me ask you this. Can you two see Flip's Burgers? Of course we can, they said. Then I suppose you're dead too. Boom, said Smiles with a little chuckle. I thought about this for a moment. My mind wasn't trying to determine if what they were saying was true. It was trying to find obvious holes in their logic so I could end their little ruse. So what? I said. Is the whole town dead? Is Flip over there who is making very real burgers? Is he dead too? Kyle's one eye turned serious. Hey, he said. Don't pick on Flip. Yeah, he died the worst way you can go. Oh, really? How's that? Spending the day with you two? No, said Smiles. His heart broke. Yeah, his heart broke. 
Kyle took a step forward and eyed the burger stand, I assumed to ensure Flip wasn't watching us. Then he told me the story. Flip Bear had opened a hamburger restaurant to impress the love of his life. And, as it turns out, the love of his life was one Gloris Crabtree. Yes, that Gloris Crabtree. She being the brutal legend of a reviewer that she is. Well, she gave Flip's burger, the review of death, zero stars. According to Kyle, she didn't even take a bite of the burger. She ordered it, threw it in the trash, and left. A few days later, her review was released. And a few days after that, Flip died. When Kyle finished the story, I asked him the same question I'm sure you're asking now. Why did she give him zero stars? After all, his burgers smell amazing. They are amazing, said Kyle. Yeah, totally they are. So why the review? I don't know, said Kyle. Yeah, we're just kids, said Smiles. We don't know nothing about food reviews. Well then, I said, and I thought this was pretty clever on my part. Why don't you go get me a burger and I'll see for myself? I am the second best food reviewer in the area, after all. You're a food reviewer? The twins asked. Sure am, and soon to be famous. Flip won't serve a food reviewer. Yes, I said, I know. That's why I need you to order for me. He won't serve us either. Yeah, totally he won't. And why not? We're banned, yeah. We're totally banned. Oh, what was it this time? Did you try to blow it up? No, of course not. We'd never blow up flips. Totally we wouldn't. Kyle took a step closer and put the back of his hand to his mouth. Let's just say, he said in a whisper, we made the sign say something else. Yeah, said Smiles. For a few weeks, it didn't say flips. It said something else. I have to tell you, Mr. Erie, I didn't believe Kyle and Smiles. They had that look, that prankster always up to no good look. But for some reason, I didn't not believe them either. Does that make sense? Dead or not dead, I said, I have to try one of those burgers. All I've had to eat was a popsicle. Kyle and Smiles smiled at this. What'd you rate it? Go get me a burger, I said, and I'll tell you. No can do, Miss Review. If you want something, you should feel free to get it yourself. They smiled. Well, he won't serve me. True, Kyle said. Yeah, totally true. The only way he'll serve a food reviewer is if you get Gloris Crabtree to come down here and change her score. Suddenly, the pieces of the burger puzzle all fit together in my head. Well, that shouldn't be too hard, I said. I'll have you know, Gloris Crabtree lives right through those woods. No, she doesn't, said Kyle. Yeah, totally she doesn't. Sure she does, I said. Look. I walked over to the pitcher's mound and got the envelope. I held it in the air and used it to motion Kyle's and Smiles over. See? I said, 3519 Howland Road. Well, that's a bummer, said Kyle. Yeah, totally a bummer, said Smiles. Why is that a bummer? I asked. Because you can't go there. And why not? I asked. Because, new girl, it's not inside Quickstand. Don't be silly, it's not far. Just through those woods, I said. I can walk it in ten minutes, maybe less. That doesn't matter, said Kyle. You're dead, you can't leave. Yeah, you're totally stuck in Quickstand. For the last time, I said. And I might have stomped my foot in the dirt just a little. I'm not dead. And I can leave whenever I want. In fact... I was just at Miss Crabtree's house a little bit ago. I ran down the hill, tripped on that cement over there, and fell right here on this mound. Kyle smiled. Well, that's probably when you died. You must have hit your head on Flip's grave. Grave? What grave? I asked. The one you're standing on. Yeah, the one you're standing on. What are you talking about? I asked. This is a pitcher's mound. Both Kyle and Smiles laughed. This isn't a ball field. It's a graveyard. Yeah, totally a graveyard, just like the one by the market. 
all of a sudden, I felt sick to my stomach. Not because I thought I was dead, but because Kyle and Smiles had been irritating me all day and all I'd had to eat was a popsicle. Look, I said, if I'm dead, then I can't leave, right? Right, they said. So, if I can leave, then I must not be dead. I walked over toward the woods, then looked back to the pitcher's mound or whatever, and asked Kyle and Smiles if they were coming. We all walked over to the edge of the field, where the grass turns to trees. You won't be able to do it, said Kyle. Yeah, totally won't be able to do it. Okay then, I said, here it goes. I took a giant step towards the forest. And guess what, Mr. Erie? Kyle and Smiles, they were wrong. Totally wrong. I was able to step into the forest and back into quickstand. I was expecting to see Kyle and Smiles laugh, or to say something like, ha ha, we almost fooled you. But they didn't. Instead, their faces turned serious. They bowed their heads and both said, We're sorry, we didn't mean any disrespect. Thanks for the popsicles. We'll pay you back. We promise. I was so confused by their reaction, but before I could ask them about it, they turned and ran off. This town was really getting to me. And I'm ashamed to admit it, but for a moment, I was glad my dad was closing it down. I guess it was that thought that made me think of the envelope. I had to return it to Miss Crabtree. Maybe there was something in it. Something of value that I could use to talk her into giving Flip one last review. Maybe I could save the day. Maybe I could save the town. Saving a town? That'll put your name on the fast track to food reviewer stardom. I walked through the forest up to Miss Crabtree's house. The lights were still flickering. I walked up to the iron gate and rang the bell. Unlike my dad, I held on to the envelope. If Miss Crabtree wanted it, she was going to have to talk to me. And we were going to talk about her updating her review of Flip's Burgers. I didn't see movement in the house or at the door, so I buzzed the gate again. And again. Ugh, I was so fed up with this town. Nothing was as it seemed, and nothing worked as it should. In frustration, I yelled up to the window where I'd seen Gloris. Or thought I had. Gloris Crabtree! I said, you and I have a date. She must have heard me because at that moment, the lights in the upstairs room and the lights on the porch went out. A few seconds later, the front door opened. A figure emerged. Without the slightest sense of urgency, the figure walked towards the gate. My heart raced when it was close enough for me to know for sure it was indeed Gloris Crabtree, and I was about to meet my hero. Gloris stopped short of the gate and looked at me. Her eyes were old and sunken into her head. Wrinkled skin wrapped her face below white and gray hair pulled into a bun. Hello, I said. I'm Lynn R. Pear, and we have something to talk about. She looked at my hands. Is that for me? I looked down, forgetting I was even carrying the envelope. Yes. Sorry, I said. This is for you. My hands were shaking as I gave her the envelope. She opened it and read what was inside. I don't know if it was good news or bad news. All I know is when she was done. She opened the gate. Is it a long trip, she asked. I didn't know what she meant. A long trip to where? Down the hill. No, I said. It's very close. What about my dog? She said. Someone has to feed Five Star. Five Star? Well, he sounds like a good dog, I said. She looked back toward her house. He growls a lot, but doesn't bark. Five Star will be fine, I said. They almost always are. I reached out my hand and took Loris's. She grabbed it and held on tight. I won't let you fall, Miss Crabtree. Trust me. You only make that mistake once. We all make mistakes, she said. 
admitting why is the hardest review you'll ever do. As we walked through the forest to the field below, I talked with Gloris. I told her how much I respected her and that I thought she had lived an amazing life. I have regrets, she said. Well, that's why I'm here, I said, giving her hand a little squeeze. As we approached the field, I noticed her hands getting colder. We're here, Miss Crabtree. It's right through those trees. I smelled the aroma of Flip's burgers. Can you smell it? I asked. Yes, she said. I can. I can smell it, and it's delightful. Just then, Gloris Crabtree dropped my hand and walked into the field. I watched her take steps towards Flip's. Her steps became quicker and longer, and seconds later she was running. Flip must have noticed her coming toward the booth because he opened up the window. I'm sure he has a door somewhere, but he sure didn't use it. Not that night. Philip Bear squeezed himself through the order here window and ran to meet Gloris. When their bodies met, he picked her up and twirled her around. I saw Gloris smiling, but it wasn't the face of an old woman. She was radiant, young and full of life. The two hugged and laughed and talked. I felt warm inside, watching it all. As Gloris and Flip reconnected, I noticed the scoreboard at the edge of the field. It now said 214 to 3. Then Kyles and Smiles came out from behind it and with Flip distracted, snuck inside the dive and started making orders of burgers and fries. I was going to walk over and finally place an order, but I was stopped by a voice behind me. Two voices, actually. It was Jim and Kim. I mean, my parents. Are you okay, they asked. I wasn't sure. The first time is always the toughest. They said, it gets better. I thought I knew what they were talking about, but then I realized I didn't. What gets better, I asked. The work, my dad said. It's like all things. It's hard to understand at first, but it gets better. I walked back to the motel with my parents. They told me what was in the envelope. And I was surprised by something I think I already knew. That maybe I wasn't going to be a famous food reviewer. After all, there are other professions that help people find what they're looking for. I asked about Flip and my dad told me the story. Philip Bear had borrowed money to open his first burger stand. And he borrowed that money from a woman. A woman who was not Gloris Crabtree. In all fairness, it was the woman's family's money. Flip wasn't seeing the lady, but he needed the money, so he took it. Gloris assumed Flip was in love with the woman because he named a burger after her family. So in true Crabtree style, she went into the restaurant, ordered the Howland hamburger, and gave it zero stars. We were all sort of quiet after that. I had lots of questions, but it didn't seem like a questions kind of moment. So that's why I'm calling you, Mr. Erie. How do you know if you're the Grim Reaper? And we're Kyle and Smiles, right? Am I dead? Thank you for calling, and thank you for giving us a five-star. He's a bit of a growler, but he never barks and has proved to be the perfect agency mascot. I would also like to tell you that we here at the Disturbing Detective Agency have received many calls from Grim Reapers. In fact, you might want to ask your father about a call he placed to our agency nearly 14 years ago, when you were but a twinkle in your father's scythe. I'm glad to hear that you turned out to be such a wonderful addition to the Flipside community. To answer your question, are you dead or are you alive? 
the answer is complicated but can best be described by Addendum C on page 63 of Mr. Erie's Fathomable Field Guide. Dead or alive, you are neither. You are the passage and the wind. You are the boatman and the bridge. You are a guide, but not the seeker. You are the lighthouse, but not the keeper. Alive or dead, you are neither. And in between the two lies you, the Reaper. With that said, we here at the Agency feel that you've left us with a bit of a cliffhanger. We are all dying to know. How is that popsicle? Five stars, or maybe more? In good standing, Edward Erie, Chief Uncovenier, Mr. Erie's disturbing detective agency. And while that concludes another message from Mr. Erie's mystery series, it's not the end of our appointment. I am pleased to announce that our detective agency is now accepting new recruits. Your first step to becoming an Erie enlistee is to leave a five-star rating of this message or, if you prefer, a written review. Your support of our independent agency of intrigue is of the utmost importance. Please don't delay leave a rating or review today. Tune in next time for another disturbing message left on my machine. As always, we thank you for listening and wish you an undisturbing day.